0: It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner.
1: Hey, cruel coven. Ooh. (laughs) Hi, my little honey-baked hams. Unless you're (gasps) vegan or vegetarian. Then you're not a baked ham. Then you can be, um, tofurkey. A honey-baked tofurkey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Honey. i'll just lick you right up okay so <laughs> this is cruel and unusual the podcast i'm katie i'm tori did it backwards again <laughs> 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 time's really been moving fast ever since they sped up our simulation doesn't it totally seem like i agree it?
0: yes oh. mm-hmm. i feel like they were like tired of us fucking around so much so they were just like but fast forward uh-huh <laughs> you know it's june
1: right is it june it's it's it, june yeah, it's almost the middle of june holy fucking shit mm-hmm. where is this quarantine gone <laughs> i don't know i feel like it's gone so goddamn fast man and i'm actually having to leave the house for work and shit now mm-hmm. so ugh. yeah Harry terrible tanner's pressuring me to like he's like i gotta get out of here because he's been laid off he would, he would be laid off pandemic or not yeah he's like oh is the mall open you want to go buy some candles I need some shorts. I'm like, you don't fucking go anymore. You don't need shorts. <laughs> Order got, them online, honey. you right? His He wants to go. That's like fun for him.
0: Tell him to go by by himself because yeah. there's still, well, here's the thing. COVID cases have ramped up again. Mm-hmm. And I don't I think it's just because more people are getting tested. I feel like because people are going out again. Right. You know? Yeah. So he's not allowed to go to the mall. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry All right, about so that. we've got
1: some QOTDs. Q O T D. Q O T D. First, this is from Samantha in our Facebook group, and I've known her online for a long time. Yes, She's Samantha. A sweet little pea. So. She wants to know, what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? Something you think back to and still cannot help but cringe at yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know this. because I know this because when I read her comment, I was like, fuck, that is the one I'm using. <laughs> Whenever you ask me it. <sighs> and it's a little ditty about Tori in the Culver's drive-thru. Yes. And it goes a little something like this. I was in a great mood. I was bebopping all over town before quarantine happened. I don't remember if I was pregnant still. If I was, it was very late in the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Either that or I had, I had just had the little poop head. <sighs> I'm living my life like it's golden. And I pull up to the Culver's window. Now, Culver's only has one window. You pay for your food there. You get your drink there. And then they give you a number that you put on your car, like on your window, mm-hmm. and then you pull up to a designated spot. Yep. And they bring you out your food. So I get my number and the lady's like, here you go, ma'am, put this number in your window and drive up to space two and we'll be right out with your food. And I said, thank you, ma'am. And I pull up to my spot <laughs> and I put my number on the thing and I'm waiting. De- 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 and I see a very attractive man out of the corner of my eye approaching my my window he's carrying a culver's bag and i'm like oh there's my food yummy yummy i'm so fucking excited i'm so goddamn hungry and he hands me my food here you go ma'am and he starts to walk away and he turns around and he's like you know what could i have your number and i i got really flustered really fucking quick i was like oh my god he thinks i'm attractive like (laughs) How does he think I'm attracted like this man? does there's no fucking way. Don't worry, there wasn't a fucking way. He wanted the goddamn number that she gave me yeah. that we get when we're waiting for our fucking call for like, food.
1: Order number. My
0: goddamn order number. He did not want my telephone number. And the worst part of it all is he knew that I thought that because I said <laughs> because I said, Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just looked like I fucking knocked the wind out of him. Oh, and no. he was like, he like pointed to the number. Yeah. And he didn't even, he said nothing else. And your stomach dropped yep. onto the floorboard of your car. Yep. I wasn't even hungry anymore. Oh, And my I sure as God. fuck did not have a good day after that. I love that so much. <sighs> that so much. That was really just um, probably not, it was one of my <laughs> worst moments of my life to date.
1: So that is a moment that I look back. And I cringe. And I feel like I forever will. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I don't think... I've done so many embarrassing things, but nothing that would be like a good story. You know, just like stupid shit. Like, oh, I tripped and fell. Or, you know, I said something stupid. (laughs) But nothing really jumped out at me for the podcast. So I'm going to answer Sam's other question. That is, what is the naughtiest slash sneakiest thing you've ever gotten away with? Ooh. Now, let me just remind you all that I was a fucking little shit when I was was younger. A little fucking shit. I was a devil child. I was a devil. She was a child (laughs) of the night. Call me Satan. So after high school or maybe during high school, I don't remember, I worked at a pizza place.
0: (gasps) I fucking forgot
1: that you worked
0: there. Yeah. That was at um what was it called? Fox's (laughs) Pizza Fox's
1: Pizza. Mm
0: Holy, Oh I forgot that existed.
1: um, Habanero Grill is now Wow. So yeah, I worked there and it was a I newer remember place. This now. It was okay. a newer place. They were trying to, you know, ramp up some business and send out, you know, hand out some coupons and let people know, "Hey, we're here." Door-to-door type of Door-to-door. stuff. Door-to-door. So me and my my this guy coworker, the owner sent us out with a fat stack of door hanger coupons to hang on people's people's doors like a box of them that he paid quite a bit of money for i'm sure he paid hundreds of dollars to Mm -hmm. get these printed yeah so you shithead he told us where to go like what what neighborhoods to um to canvas with these coupons and we did a few houses we got i remember i got yelled at by like some old man like get the fuck out of here i don't want your shit so i'm like you know what I turned to my coworker. We were in his car. I go, you know what? I'm fucking done. <laughs> I am not doing this anymore. So, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to fucking do this either. So, we drove to the cemetery in Morris. We dumped this entire fucking <laughs> box of coupons oh, into no. this giant bush. So, not what? only are we wasting this man's time and money, because we're on the clock, too. Yeah. We're fucking littering. Money like, in more than one way. Really, yeah. And we drove to some parking lot and smoked weed and then went back to work a couple hours later.
0: I have to tell you that I Hannah would- I feel bad ma- about that. Hannah would be very mad at you for littering, too. Oh, yes, yeah, she would. She would be. If she ever mm-hmm. listens to this podcast, you know, 10, yeah. 20,
1: 50 years from now, she's going to be pissed yep. at you. She'll sit in her little car seat and look out the window at all the trash, like in the in the ditch. She's like, oh, why do people litter in our earth? <laughs> in our nature. In our, in our nature. hmm <laughs> Yep, and I mean it's true. That was fucking shitty of you to do. It was, but and I know. also, I mean, you were also. I just didn't want to fucking do it, know? and that's what I did. If I didn't want to do something, I didn't yeah. do it.
0: That was how we were. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we still are to an extent. A little bit, yeah. But I would
1: like to think that we wouldn't break the law, right,
0: and shit like that. Now yeah. that we're like actual adults and we can be like mm-hmm. actually prosecuted, <laughs> You're right? You know. <laughs> so. With what's going on in the world, it's kind of made Katie and I look at the cases that we've done. Mm -hmm. And we've realized that not only the the serial killers, but also the victims, Mm -hmm. they've all primarily been white people.
1: Yeah. And this is unintentional. We've kind of been just not inclusive enough. Without meaning to at all. But I feel like we... But do you want to know why
0: I think that that happened? I haven't even told you this, but I was thinking about it this morning. I feel like that happened... Because those are the ones that are on the first page of Google. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. They're all fucking Mm white people, which is maddening. But before all of this happened, and I'm ashamed to say this, I didn't think like that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't like... If I saw, you know, the entire first page of Google, I wasn't thinking, oh, wow, there's no black people or people of color yeah.
1: on here. And that's, that's our part of our just privilege. Yeah. Is, right. is not even
0: realizing these things. Right. So I'm, now that we do, we want to mm-hmm. make sure that we are being inclusive. Right. So, in honor of Pride Month, we today are going to be talking about two trans women. Mm-hmm. One of them is missing, and one of
1: them has been found and was murdered. Mm-hmm. And the case that I am doing was actually suggested by our lovely Patreon, Chloe. Chloe Rose. And it was in our queue to do... Mm-hmm. But I figured now, why not do it now? So we're doing it now. I'm doing it now. Our cue to do. <laughs> our cue to do. It was our cue mm-hmm. to do.
0: No, but this was the one that was on our radar. For, I don't know. Chloe told us this like five
1: or six weeks. Yeah, ago, I and think. I, I I do remember when it when it happened. Hearing I about it because it was right when Hannah was born. Oh yeah. See, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it at all. Yeah. There and it's sad because. So Chloe went to the same high school as sage smith is who i'm going to be talking about and there's i had to ask her questions she had to help me out because i'm like there's there's this information is either contradictory and there's not enough of it out there to begin with right so but it needs to be told her Mm -hmm. story deserves to be told oh yeah so thank you to chloe for helping me with some of these details thank you Um, chloe rose this is the disappearance of sage smith and you told me you don't really know much about this one at all okay
0: The only, literally the only reason I know the name is from Chloe's DMs. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason. In
1: 2012, at 19 years old, Sage Smith was really starting to come into her own as a person. She was starting to make some changes for the better in her life. And after a pretty rough childhood, I got a sense that at this point in time, she finally felt free. At 19? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She was born Le LaQuinn, and her parents divorced pretty quickly after she was born. Her father, Dean, was incarcerated when she was a baby. Now, because Little Sage's home life was not good, she was taken in by her grandma, Cookie. <gasps> I who, love that. I know, grandma
0: Cookie. They called her Miss
1: Cookie. And she, from what I read, was just an absolute angel. She, yes, grandma. She took really good care of her. Aren't grandmas just the fucking I best? I love grandmas. I feel so bad for anyone who does not have a goddamn grandma. I know. Love them. They lived for a while in a housing development in Charlottesville, Virginia. Sage was 12 when she met her really good friend Shakira, and the two were so close that Shakira even called Cookie Grandma. Oh, cute. I know, I know. Now, eventually, Sage went to live with her mom again. I don't know why, but it didn't work out, and she was put into the foster system. So, in her teens, Sage came out as transgender. From what it seems, in thank you to Chloe for this part in particular. It seems like maybe she didn't feel safe enough or accepted enough to fully present as female I 100% of the time until she was, you know, out of high school. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, like, high school kids are fucking mean. That's, yeah. I'll never understand how hard and scary it must be to come out as a teen or ever. Ever, yeah. And we know grown as adults can be assholes, but, like, high school is a whole different world. And if her high school was anything like our high school, it would have been hell on earth. Like, I can't even imagine. Apparently, her dad had problems accepting that she was trans, and he even cut off contact with her for a while, until one of his other kids took him aside and told him, like, look, you've always told us to be happy with yourselves, and you're being a little hypocritical, dad, don't you think? So Dean finally realized, like, yeah, that was a bullshit move, and he and Sage reconnected. Like, they were really starting to rebuild a bond but now sage was an adult technically at 19 and she was on her own she changed her gender to female on facebook and she wrote to a friend on there quote i am a girl now respect it and yes honey fuck yeah sage was described as energetic charismatic a social butterfly and she had a smile that could light up a room she was in cosmetology school she was braiding hair out of her home and she had just gotten a new job helping out at a hair salon and it just seems like she was finally feeling comfortable in her own skin and in who she was and where she was going like i'm happy for mm-hmm. this this sage like so fucking happy in march of 2012 foster care helped her move into her own apartment in charlottesville with shakira her friend from when she was a little girl oh cool and another friend aubrey their apartment was even nicknamed the Dollhouse Mansion. Oh. And it was on Harris Street. And it even had like bright pink walls. Like That's cool. Fuck yeah. They like to do what any other group of 19 to 20 year old girls do. They'd go out dancing. They'd have parties. Like, yeah, you just got your own apartment. Right. You're going to have fucking parties. Right. Of course you're going to have parties. You can't not have parties. Right. You have to. It's a rite of passage. It is. So on the night of November 19th, 2012, they were having a party for Shakira's 19th birthday. At some point in the night, this girl came into the apartment ranting and raving about how she had a problem with one of Sage's friends. They had an issue about a man. This girl wanted to fight, and the altercation moved outside. Sage got involved. She was fighting a man named Jamel, and this led the cops to showing up at around 11.20 pm. Jamel filed a report with the police saying that Sage had damaged his car. But no one was arrested. Jamel posted a tweet later that night that said, quote, been disrespected to the point of no return, End quote. So Shakira ended up calling some friends and she asked them to come get her. She wanted to get out of the apartment for a while because after the fights that night, Sage ended up getting pissed at her.
0: Oh, no. She was
1: mad because she thought Shakira should have had her back in all of this. She should have intervened during the fighting. She should have fought with her according to sage but i'm guessing for shakira it was something along the lines of like the girl who barged in looking for a fight had nothing to do with her nothing to do with sage so why should she just jump in and start fighting without knowing why or who she's even fighting and it sounds like sage was trying to get across a point of like that doesn't matter you need to have my back no matter what
0: yeah right
1: so they were clashing pretty hard about this so shakira left to the coast and this is the last time she sees sage The last words Sage said to her were, I hate you. That has to be hard, like now, like in hindsight, Mm -hmm. for Shakira. Yeah. So the next morning, this would have been November 20th, we know Sage talked to her dad on the phone and asked him for money, but he said she seemed in good spirits. We also know that she was supposed to be going to Louisiana for Thanksgiving, which was only a couple days away. Her mom lived in Louisiana at this point, and from all accounts, Sage was excited to go. But according to Latasha, her mom, Sage didn't reply to any of her texts and she didn't hear from her that day at all. So at about 5 p.m. that same day, Sage was at her apartment getting ready for a date with a man she'd met online. Oh no. She woke Aubrey up and told her what she was doing, but she didn't give Aubrey a name. Sage left the apartment and this was the last time Aubrey would see her. The next morning, Aubrey realized that Sage didn't come home. Now, the girls were very safety conscious because they had to be. Mm -hmm. And according to Aubrey, Sage wouldn't just go off with someone she didn't know. She wouldn't not answer her phone, which Aubrey had been calling nonstop. It just wasn't like her. So at about 8 p.m., she called the police to report Sage missing. All they asked for was Sage's name, birth date, and a photo of her. That's it. They didn't seem all that concerned and that in- fucking infuriates me. Yeah. Sage's mom and dad said they felt immediately that something bad had happened to her. Like, number one, her phone was going straight to voicemail. And that was very strange for Sage. She was just talking about how excited she was to come see them for Thanksgiving. Like, why would she just up and take off? Right. Plus, they knew and her friends knew that she would not let her grandma Cookie sit there and worry. Oh, yeah. She just sure. wouldn't do that to her. Yeah. So, on November 22nd, Thanksgiving Day, police finally decided to do something. They did a grid search, they looked in dumpsters, fields, parking lots, they checked surveillance footage from nearby, but they didn't find anything. Um, A witness did see Sage walking alone in the 500 block of West Main Street in Charlottesville at around 6.30pm, talking to someone on the phone. So to try to get an idea about Sage's plans the night she disappeared, police subpoenaed her phone records. but. This takes a few days. Yeah, right. Sage's family knew that if they wanted to find her, they didn't have a few days. They tried unlocking her phone account, like online, by guessing the password, and they somehow got it right. They saw that the last call Sage had gotten on that day at 6.36 p.m. came from an unidentified number, and that was where the phone activity stopped when no one could figure out whose phone number that was, like, they, none of the friends or family immediately knew what, whose number that was, Sage's dad, Dean, posted it to his Facebook page.
0: Also, just real quick, you know that a, ni- she's 19, right? Mm-hmm. You know that a 19-year-old woman is not going to not be on her phone. Mm-hmm. So, like, clearly, very soon after that, something happened. Yeah. Where she couldn't be on her phone anymore.
1: Yeah, but it's not like, I read a few things that said she would even carry a charger with her. Mm -hmm. She always had her phone charged. She always had it on, always in her hand. So, yeah. So, her dad posted this unknown number to his Facebook page, and asking and urging anyone who knew whose number it was to contact him, and surprisingly, someone did.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Pretty quick, too. An acquaintance named Yami Ortiz messaged him and told him that the phone number belonged to a man named Eric McFadden. So Sage's phone showed numerous calls and texts to Eric's number going back a few weeks from her disappearance. And through these texts, they found that two of them were meeting up and hooking up. But Eric had a girlfriend.
0: Oh, fucking Christ. And
1: he had paid Sage not to tell his girlfriend about the affair. Now, we don't know if this is because Sage was a trans woman or simply because it, it was an affair or right. both. Eric was texting Sage at the time of the last confirmed sighting of her, saying things like, quote, where are you? I'm standing here. Where are you? Bye. You stood me up. And quote, like, over over a period of time. So either very smart... Mm-hmm. Or innocent. And there are unconfirmed reports that put Sage in the Wild Wing Cafe, which is right next to the train station, the Amtrak station, at 7 p.m. So Dean, doing the police's job for them, did some digging and found that Eric worked at a Sherwin-Williams paint store and he lived in the city with his girlfriend. Go Papa Dean. He, I know, right? He even posted Eric's picture on social media because yes. police just... They weren't making Sage's disappearance a priority at all. While cops were looking for Eric, as far as I can tell, I don't know how hard they were looking for him. Like if Dean found out more than they seemed to find, they were basically pushing it under the rug. They were saying like, look, we're interviewing people, but we don't really have much to go on. This is a quote from one of the detectives assigned to the case, quote, it's not a criminal case. We have nothing at this point in time that indicates it being a criminal case, which makes it difficult to get warrants and things of that sort, because you have to have a criminal case to go in that direction. Now, there's no evidence that points us in that direction right now, end quote. How about the fact that there's a missing girl? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (sighs) She's black and she's trans, Mm -hmm. so you know know damn well
1: police aren't going to do shit about it. Mm Mm-hmm. On November 24th... I fucking hate yeah, that. I, I hate that so much. I talk more about that too. So On November 24th, a woman named Esther called the police in Charlottesville saying she was worried about her boyfriend because he hadn't been texting her or returning her calls. Her boyfriend's name eric mcfadden jesus lord the cops were like yeah we're already looking for him according to his boss at sherwin williams he hadn't shown up for work in a in several days on the 26th esther contacted the cops and said hey i finally got in touch with eric he's in dc esther told eric that the police were looking for him and that they wanted to talk to him about sage so he knew she gave him the detectives contact information to get a hold of them himself mm-hmm. like a big fucking boy like you do yeah right so when they searched eric's apartment they found that no he wasn't there but they found a receipt from a cvs in charlottesville that could probably wrap around the earth three times because it's from cvs this receipt showed that eric was in charlottesville on the 22nd two days after sage disappeared on the 27th police finally got a call from eric He finally fucking called them. Thanks, Sarah. He told them, right, he told them that he and Sage were supposed to meet up the night of the 20th by an Amtrak station in Charlottesville, but he said Sage never showed. And I wonder why. Did he say why they were supposed to meet up there? Were they running away together? I don't know. Was she going somewhere and she wanted to see him one last time? Yep. I would love to know. He had no idea where she was at this point or if anything happened to her. And, oh, by the way, he wasn't in D.C. anymore. He was in New York City now. Why? Because he just felt like going there. Oh. He'd never, he would never. said he'd never been there, and he thought it, it would be cool. Bullshit. Oh, okay. I don't believe that for one second. One of the detectives was like, well, you need to come back here so we can talk to you about this and figure it out. And Eric just hung up the phone. Just a couple days later, Esther, his girlfriend, informed the detectives that Eric was in fact on a bus on his way back to Charlottesville to talk to them. Police were supposed to pick him up at the bus station, but when Eric didn't show, Esther told the detectives that Eric said, you know what, never mind, it's probably better if I just go on the run. So this is an email Eric sent to Esther on November 30th, quote, I'm heading out. This is what happened. I never did anything with that guy, and he was blackmailing me. He wanted me to give him money not to lie from saying we did, and I did, and he agreed to stop, and then the next time he hit me up for money, I said no. We did meet up, but he had a lot of enemies. Me and him were walking, and some people showed up, and I kept walking, not looking back." So basically, he was saying that he did meet up with Sage the night she went missing, and this allowed the police to get warrants to search his computer, phone, bank statements, and social media accounts. But they didn't really find any evidence, nothing that could help them. The last time anyone heard from Eric McFadden was in May of 2013. He'd sent Esther an email from an untraceable email account. So, hmm, okay. The trail on Sage Smith really just goes cold from that point on. Over a year later, in December of 2013, police did conduct another search of the area, but they didn't really find anything once again a cadaver dog picked up a slight scent of sage by a pond but nothing turned up there they searched landfills nothing i i hate that there's so many cases like i said of missing white women who seem to have the entire world looking for them they have their communities come Mm -hmm. together they're searching yep and this is what sage got yeah this is it nothing next to nothing the cops dragged their feet while sage's family was doing their job for them most of the information the police even got was from family and friends. They didn't find any of it on their own. They because got it they from they didn't them. try to. Hmm. It's like they didn't care to find anything out on their own. They, did, they didn't care. A lot of people, including Sage's family, felt like the police focused all of their efforts on Eric when they should have been looking into other people too. Right. Um. It's like just time wasted or time not being spent in the right way because they had the manpower. There were multiple investigators that could have looked into other people. It seems to me like it's because they really wanted this to be open and shut so they could wash their hands of it. And it's infuriating. Dean even said that in his gut, he feels like Aubrey could have had something to do with Sage's disappearance. Really? But no one even looked into that possibility, even though Aubrey was seen using Sage's things. They, her credit card, she was using Sage's credit card to buy food. What? Yeah. She was wearing, Aubrey was wearing Sage's wigs. She was wearing her jewelry. And I guess she just told police, like, yeah, this is just what we do. It's normal. And I'm assuming that we'll leave the credit card out and just, we'll just use each other's and
0: bullshit. No. 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 And I'm assuming that the girl who busted into the house that night, did she have a problem with Aubrey? Cause she didn't have one with Shakira, and she yeah. didn't have one with
1: not that I not that I heard, not that I read. So who hmm. was the the problem with? I don't know. I think I am a I like the way that I see it, and I don't know if it's true. Is just there was just a lot of people there, and it could oh, have been anybody. Okay. You know, okay. it's just like a house party. So, yeah. um, but then there's that guy Jamel, the one that Sage got into that like altercation right. with that night, right before she went missing. Remember the tweet he posted about being disrespected? Mm-hmm. Jamel was looked into, and he did not have an alibi. For that night. And now he's fallen off the map too. So why is he hiding? Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. That tells me
0: maybe Eric... is there's some semblance of truth to what eric's saying maybe maybe police officers love to pin shit on black men right even if they did not do shit even if they were not even near the person yeah so what if you know he knew okay yes i met up with her okay yes we exchanged money okay Mm -hmm. yes abcd and i'm black so they're gonna try and pin this on me so i'm fucking gone i'm not doing
1: that i could see that You know
0: what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because, so I can see, I don't want to stick up for Eric (laughs) just in case he did this. Yeah, we don't know. But I could see, if I'm playing devil's advocate about this, Mm -hmm. I could see that he's afraid because he's a black man involved in a a disappearance. Yep. I feel like if I were him and I had nothing to do with it, it would fucking suck. Right. But I might fucking leave too. Exactly. It's, it's, if it's, if I feel like it's either I'm on the run or I'm going to prison for
1: a crime I didn't fucking commit, Mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. The cops didn't call outside help until 11 days after Sage went missing. So this is pretty much a list of shit they did wrong yeah, <laughs> that I'm okay. going to tell you about. They didn't request search and rescue in the very first, most important hours of her disappearance. We all know that. All true crime people fucking know that. You have to fucking get on your shit right away because the chances of you finding them lower. With they, literally each second yeah, that it takes by. Yep. They didn't have trash pickup halted, which I guess is protocol when there's you know a case like this i did they, not know that i guess i didn't maybe, I, maybe that it's makes a city sense. thing i don't know that but makes sense yeah because just, of all the people that put bodies in dumpsters right. and trash cans they said that they contacted the state police and u.s marshals to help they also said that the fbi offered to help but none of these agencies ever had a single agent working on sage's case ever they didn't get warrants to search electronic or online communication until four months after sage vanished they didn't return the family's phone calls aubrey agreed to come to the station for questioning but she needed a ride she couldn't get there she didn't have a car they were supposed to pick her up and they never showed really resulting in her not being interviewed until two weeks later they oh. failed to follow even one ounce of protocol for a missing persons case. We know that when a person from a visible minority group disappears, the police tend to automatically assume that they've run away. Yep. When it's a white person, they tend to assume the complete opposite. Yep. This is what has to fucking change. Sage didn't. No. There's no fucking way. No. Nope. Because I know damn well I would have to tell my grandma. Yeah. She'd be about the only person, <laughs> but I would have <laughs> to tell her. Yep. Because I know she would have a damn heart attack, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. In 2016, a new police chief, Al Thomas Jr., took office. He was the first black person to hold that position, by the way, in Charlottesville. And he promised he'd look into Sage's case with, like, fresh eyes. In March of 2017, it was announced that Sage's disappearance was reclassified as a homicide. And this is because no one has heard from Sage since she's been reported missing. But that took four years. Isn't that disgusting? Four years. How? How? No one's heard from Eric in four years either. Still not, like, to this day. Not even his family, I bet. I wonder. No. The new detective on the case thought that was weird, too. Like, mm-hmm. No one ever filed a missing person report on Eric. But in 2019, his mom finally did. So as of right now, today, he is officially a critical person of interest. This is still very much an open case. So Sage would be 27 today. Wow. Yeah. She's black, 5'11", 130 pounds, with brown eyes and long brown hair that she often wore in braids, long braids. But she did wear wigs too. She has her left eyebrow pierced. She was last seen wearing a black jacket, gray scarf, dark gray sweatpants, and black and gray rain boots. She might've also been wearing a bleached hoodie. Eric McFadden would be 29 today. He's described as black with brown eyes and dreadlocks at the time he was last seen at least he had dreadlocks, and he's 5'10 and around 150 pounds. He might have gone to New York, Georgia, and or Texas after he left Charlottesville. There's a tip line to call if anyone out there has any information related to Sage's case, and that number is 434-970-3381, and we'll make sure to put that on social media and in the show notes too. But yeah, that's the disappearance of Sage Smith. And I think it's really fucking sad how she was not given the same treatment. Treatment. I just, yeah, I feel
0: like that was a complete and total failure on that police department. Yeah. A hundred percent.
1: Not even like a failure. Like, yes, they failed to act, but like, it's like they didn't give a fuck. Yeah. To begin with. Right. Which is a failure. Yes. But like, do you know what I mean? It wasn't
0: just like they tried and they failed. Right. It was they didn't try. Therefore, they failed. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, obviously, we don't know if Sage is alive or dead, but according to the Human Rights Campaign, there have been at least 12 killings of a trans or gender non-conforming person in 2020 so far, at least. That's the ones that uh, we know about. Black trans women are disproportionately killed by violence. And arrest rates for their murders are significantly lower than for other demographics. Yeah. How does that not surprise me? Mm Mm-hmm. Most of the killings of black trans women are not at the hands of police, but they do experience high rates of police harassment. Sure. A third of black trans women who interact with police report that officers assume they are sex workers. And nearly 90% of trans women who police assume are sex workers report experiencing police harassment and abuse, including verbal, physical, and sexual assaults. And this is something that, like, we should all learn more about. It's it's just the tip of the iceberg, but I just wanted to throw some statistics in there because that's what they're fucking dealing with. Right. Constantly. And it's not fair because if there weren't these biases we would probably know where sage was right exactly you know so i am going
0: to be telling you about the murder of gwen arajo so gwen was born edward arajo jr on february 24th 1985 in brawley california her parents divorced when she was only 10 months old when she was 14 years old, she came out as transgender and started identifying solely as a woman. She started going primarily by the name Gwen and she because she loved Gwen Stefani.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Fucking love her. I love that. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. She also sometimes went by Lita and sometimes even Wendy, but her main name that she loved was Gwen. mm That makes me smile. Yeah. (laughs) But for the sake of not being confusing, as I'm telling her story, I'm going to stick with Gwen. Okay. So Gwen had a plan to undergo a hormone treatment surgical procedure. She had an older sister who stated that Gwen was bullied frequently in junior high school. It got so bad that Gwen transferred to an alternative high school, but she did not return for the 2002 and 2003 school year. Mm. Gwen met four guys in late summer, early fall of 2002. Their names were Michael, Jaren, Jose, and Jason. Okay. That's fucking weird. Three of them are J names. Yeah, that is Isn't weird. Isn't that weird? It was reported that she flirted with each of them, like any young girl would do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. The night that they met, they all smoked weed together and just had like a really chill night of hanging out. Mm-hmm. When Gwen left, apparently Jaren asked the other three guys if they thought that she might, quote, be a dude, end quote. Okay. The other three guys were like, what the fuck? And they just didn't even take him seriously. Right. Gwen was a very sexual being and she enjoyed being intimate with men, which Mm -hmm. is nothing to be fucking ashamed about. And also that's pretty normal for a teenager. Yeah. By the way, you're like all of these hormones are surging through you and you're like learning what everything
1: is and you're like, yes, get on me. Yeah. Well, and with men, with male teenagers... They're like a lot of times they're praised, even by like their yeah. dads. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, get it. Like, go get them. No, go, no, if... <laughs> go get them if. Go get them, Tiger. Yeah, go get them, Tiger. <laughs> but if <laughs> tiger. it's eighteen, girl, yeah. being it, they're promiscuous. They're a slut. They're a whore. Fuck mm-hmm. off. I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> <She was laughs> <really bad. laughs>
0: we're sick of it.
1: She had, she ended up having oral sex with Michael and
0: anal sex with Jose. She would tell the men that when she was intimate with them that she was either menstruating, so they wouldn't obviously find out that she hadn't had the gender reassignment surgery yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, like, if they were trying to, like, touch her genitals, then she would just bat their hands away. Enter a woman named Nicole Brown. Nicole was dating Jose's older brother, Paul, and she wasn't necessarily friends with Gwen, but she knew her enough to be considered an acquaintance. Mm -hmm. She ends up stating, Nicole, that she and Gwen got into a fist fight when she dared Gwen to strip for the men. What? So, Nicole had this like inkling that maybe she wasn't biologically a woman, so she was being a catty fucking bitch and trying to get her to expose herself.
1: So, you just want to, you want her to fucking out herself yep. in front of these. No. Yep, at your hands. Fuck yeah. off. Mm-hmm. That's a real cunty thing to do. Yeah. Real cunty. Apparently, the guys were super fucking
0: impressed when Gwen's small frame delivered a strong as fuck blow to Nicole. Quote, she fought like a guy end quote. The guys continued debating about Gwen being a man, and one of them said, quote, something bad could happen to her if she ended up a man, end quote. Go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. Something bad could happen to you. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. God. So let's talk about late October 3rd, and then also the early morning hours of October 4th, 2002. Gwen went to a party hosted by Jose and Paul, they're the brothers. Mm Mm-hmm emmanuel which was jose and paul's other brother along with michael nicole jason and jaron were all at this house party jose reportedly told the rest of the group that quote if it's a fucking man i'm gonna kill him if it's a man she ain't gonna leave end quote hmm. doesn't that make you fucking sick Yep. the whole it thing yeah. just is a fucking goddamn cherry on top michael then said quote i don't know what i'm going to do End quote. To which Jaren said, quote, whatever you do, make sure you don't make a mess. End quote. No. hmm No. <sighs> Michael, Jaren, Jason, and Jose had been at a club and they did not get back to the rented home until after midnight, reportedly, as told by Nicole Brown. After they got home, Michael told Gwen that she needed to either tell them if she was a woman or man or allow him to touch her. Like, fuck. What? Why does she need to do anything? No. Isn't that disgusting? She very clearly, and she being Gwen, very clearly refused, like, go fuck yourself. I'm sorry, but it isn't your right to see her body. No. Nicole said one of them should, quote unquote, inspect Gwen. Doesn't this just like I hate this mm -hmm, so fucking mm -hmm. much when I was doing this research I kept like huffing and puffing and Rory kept being like what is wrong with you I'm like don't fucking talk to me Mm -hmm. number one you're a man (laughs) and I'm reading about some real fucked up men right now yeah it was just
1: I got into a very dark place when Mm -hmm. I was researching this it was bad and that's like what it is yeah we get to research it tell the story They have to fucking live it. Exactly. So if you can imagine how upset I
0: was about someone I don't even know. Mm -hmm. Like imagine being her mother or her or you know what I mean? Yeah. So Michael took Gwen into the bathroom. Apparently then Jose confessed to the group that he had sex with Gwen and Nicole ended up going into the bathroom and did a force quote unquote inspection on Gwen and realized that she had male genitalia. Fuck off. Fuck you, Nicole. Nicole said, quote... It's a man, end quote. And the guys that she had engaged in oral and anal sex with, which was a couple of them in the group, Mm -hmm. were outraged because they were pieces of shit, basically. That's all there is to that. Nicole later testified in court that she told Gwen that the guys were very angry. Gwen was cornered by grown men, Michael, Jaron, and Jason. Jose threw up when he found out that Gwen was a biological male, and he started crying like a crybaby bitch and saying, quote, I can't be fucking gay, end quote. You're a cunt. You are a fucking piece of shit. Piece of shit. Whew, oh my I'm out of breath.
1: fucking God. The
0: amount of ignorance here just fucking blows my goddamn mind. Nicole testified in court. This is what Nicole said to Jose after he said that and barfed. Because he's a crybaby cunt. That's just say cunt. Is cunt an
1: okay word? Yeah, cunt is great. How fucking insecure do you have to be? Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, so Nicole testifies in court that what she said next to Jose was, quote, it's not your fault. I went to high school with you and you were on the football team. Oh. End quote. I'm sorry, no. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? What planets are these people from? Holy shit. I know that my blood pressure has... (laughs) (laughs) fucking raised yeah i now i'm getting all mad see Mm -hmm. when i was doing this research i was so fucking sad and like devastated for these for for gwen and her family Mm -hmm. now i'm pissed next michael tried pulling gwen's skirt down to expose her genitals to the group for what Mm -hmm. and then he proceeded to punch her in the face no this knocked her onto the ground where he then put her into a chokehold some of the other people at the house pulled michael off of gwen as she cried and pleaded with the group quote No, please don't. I have a family, end quote. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Yeah. How terrifying.
1: (sighs) And out of those, like, five people, none of them had a brain. No, that's toxic masculinity, first and foremost. I think let her fucking go. Deal with your own shit, which is what it is, your own internal shit that you need to deal with on your own. That's bullshit that she had to know. Yeah. Yeah. No. And not one of them could stick up for her? No. God.
0: I hate talking about this, and it makes yeah. me so fucking uncomfortable, but that is exactly why we need to talk about exactly.
1: this.
0: Now, it's Jose's turn to be a prick. He strikes Gwen in the head with a can of food. This put a huge gash on her head, and then he hit her with a frying pan. Jose said the last words that he heard from Gwen were, quote, I told you I was sorry, end quote. She has nothing to be sorry for. No. In my opinion, Mm-mm. nothing. Nicole, Paul, and Emmanuel left the house at this point. So Gwen was left there with Michael, Jaron, Jose, and Jason. But then, apparently Jaron and Jason left in Michael's truck to go get shovels and a pickaxe from Jason's house. They said the other guys were going to quote-unquote kill that bitch. (gasps) So these two pricks get back to the house with their weapons and they find Gwen
1: sitting on the couch and she's still conscious. Why is being gay worse than being a murderer? The idea of being gay. Couldn't fucking tell you. Worse than being a murderer. Okay, sorry. Keep going.
0: So she's bleeding all over the place from that gash in her head and probably other things as well. And this is when Jose was like, get the fuck off the couch because he's worried about the blood. Jared and Jason start egging the other guys on, telling them to knock her out. This is a trigger warning. Michael hit Gwen's head so hard with his knee that she flung into the living room wall and it dented the wall and cracked the plaster.
1: Oh my god.
0: It was then said that Jose cleaned her blood from the couch and then went into his bedroom and cried. Like, wah fucking wah. This was... Yeah. You did this. Cry. This was your doing. Mm-hmm. At some point, Gwen was knocked unconscious by the men. Michael tied her wrist and ankles together and they wrapped her in a comforter from one of the bedrooms. They then carried her into the garage, worried about blood getting all over the house. She was obviously dead at this point. Mm-hmm. At this point in the timeline of things, in court all of their testimonies are just totally different. Of course. So they were the same up until this point, and mm-hmm. now they're all being—they're all telling different stories. Jaron testifies that Michael strangled Gwen with rope and that Jason hit her with a shovel. Apparently, Jaron says that he was in the garage and didn't see her being strangled. Convenient. Apparently, Gwen called herself Lita to these men and with Nicole, so that's the name that they used in the testimony. So if you ever mm-hmm. look up documents and stuff, it might say Lita. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Jaron goes on to say that Michael told the group that he, quote, wrapped the rope around her neck and twisted it, end quote. Jaron says that Michael was not sure if she, quote, had died from twisting the rope, but once Jason hit her twice with a shovel, he knew that she was dead, end quote. Now, Michael's testimony very clearly opposed Jaron's. Michael said that Jaron strangled her and hit her with a shovel. Jason said that he never hit her and that he did not see her die. Jose, during his testimony, stated that he was cleaning her blood from the couch and the carpet while Michael was tying together her wrists and ankles and thought she was alive up until the point he saw her in the truck wrapped in the comforter. Here is what we know. The autopsy revealed that she died from quote-unquote strangulation associated with blunt force trauma to the head. Now, the men put her in the vehicle And they drove Gwen, who is now deceased, Mm -hmm. four hours from home. So that is four hours of contemplating Mm -hmm. and maybe doing the right thing. Yeah. They had plenty of time to decide. Obviously, you already fucking killed her. You couldn't tell
1: the fucking police. Mm -hmm. Turn yourselves in. Let this woman not, you know be were they still like trying to hold on to the fact that maybe if maybe no one will ever find her i'm sure maybe no one will ever know that we had sex with a trans woman i'm sure because that's more important than her fucking life her mom sylvia
0: said i think it was maybe and this could be wrong so don't quote me it may might have been a cop or it was a someone who said to her well it might have been an attorney too i'm sure that's a logical thought that a lot of trans women don't speak to their families, so a lot of them don't be re- that aren't reported missing, yeah, which there are some that, that that's the case. Mm-hmm. but Gwen was very close to her mother, yeah, so clearly she was going to know. yeah, the men buried her somewhere near near the Sierra Nevada mountains. They dug a very shallow grave, probably with the same shovel that they murdered her with, in the El Dorado National Forest close to Silver Fork Road. On the four hour trip back home, more time that they could have turned mm-hmm. themselves in. Instead of calling the police, they rolled through a McDonald's drive-thru and ordered breakfast. What the fuck? Yeah. Supposedly, when Nicole Brown asked Jose what ended up happening to Gwen, Jose said, quote, let's just say she had a long walk home, end quote. Motherfucker. Yeah. No one who attended the party reported what happened that morning to authorities. Gwen's mother knew something was wrong when she did not come home after the party because Gwen and her mother, Sylvia, always checked in with each other. Sylvia called the authorities on October 5th, 2002, to report her daughter missing. The police did not take Sylvia's report seriously because she was transgender, Mm -hmm. according to a statement. She was also known to stay out late and sometimes overnight. Like, what fucking teenager or young adult doesn't do that? Her mom is telling you this is not like her? Yeah. Listen. Yeah. So, the police were like, eh, whatever. Apparently, the rumors that a girl had been outed for being trans started making their way to the family. And these rumors even stated that the girl was killed. So that's when Gwen's aunt called the police on October 9th and told them the rumors they had been hearing. Police decided maybe now they should start the interview process days later. Great. And one of the people they interviewed told them the party had taken place at the home that Jose was renting. Jaron apparently, being the dumb fuck that he was, but glad, glad Mm -hmm. about it, told one of his friends what the group had done to Gwen. And then... That friend informed the police. So, fucking good on you. Yeah. At least one person had a brain. Yep. He or she agreed that they would wear a mic, which they did, and authorities captured enough evidence to scare Jaron into leading authorities to Gwen's body on October
1: 15th, 2002. Wow. Thank God for that friend having a little bit of integrity. Right. Shit the alameda county sheriff's department had
0: jurisdiction here so they sent out four crime scene investigators and two detectives to the site where they were able to recover gwen's lifeless body from a shallow grave michael jaron jose and paul were arrested and accused of gwen's murder paul was released after his alibi of nicole brown and emmanuel checked out the three remaining men jaron jose and michael were all charged on october 17th with murder they were held without bail on the 24th of october jaron pleaded not guilty of fucking course michael couldn't find an attorney because he was a loser loser double loser and jose was quote reviewing the evidence against him end quote oh yeah shut why do you get to review evidence and what the fuck do you know about that shit you don't know sorry sorry not sorry not sorry Jose said that he was confident in an interview with the LA Times that all charges against him would end up being dropped. How old is this kid at this point? Like 20? Right around there. You don't know fucking shit about shit. I'm sorry, Jose. So he was not only a piece of shit, but he was also delusional. Mm -hmm. That's what I wrote. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, that's me. Anywho, Jaron wrote a letter to his girlfriend that said he and the other man had talked about committing a, quote, soprano type plan to kill the bitch and get rid of her body, end quote. Oh, fuck off. But here's the thing. The letter never made it to the. (laughs) Sorry. But here's the thing. The letter never made it to the girlfriend because it was obviously intercepted by authorities. And that helped lead to the arrest of Jason, who, if you remember, was at the party as well. Uh A lot of J names going on here. Jaron pled guilty on February 24th of 2003. He pled guilty because he was told he would face a lesser charge, which happens a lot. Mm -hmm. He would be charged with voluntary manslaughter. Manslaughter had an 11-year sentence. He was given this if he promised to testify against the other men, which he did. He ended up giving an extremely detailed testimony of the entire night and the morning of Gwen's death. He told the court that even when the guys were burying Gwen, and she was very obviously deceased and mm-hmm. had been for some time, over four hours at yeah. least, they all kept belittling her still. Yep. Do you feel like a man now? Yeah. Do you? Mm-hmm. He ended up being slapped with the 11-year prison sentence on October 25th of 2006, three years after this court case. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read you a quote now from Wikipedia. It's a long one. Okay. Stay tuned. Quote, The first trial began on April 14th of 2004. Prosecuting attorney Lemiro used male pronouns and her birth name to refer to Araujo, saying the defendants had decided that the wages of Eddie Araujo's sin of deception were death. What? Really? How is this? Like, fuck you, Lamiro. Also, don't use male pronouns. No. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't... You, you don't get to decide... To murder someone because they omitted something. Lamiro? Lamiro. (laughs) He doesn't get... He fucking lies every day. I'm continuing the quote. In his opening statement, the defense attorney for Michael argued that he should not be charged with murder, rather manslaughter at worst, under the California law. Michael's attorney said that his client was not biased. Okay. What? Okay. What? Continuing the quote again, because we keep going off on tangents. Super sorry. Instead of being biased, his... Attorney says that Michael had just been shocked beyond reason to learn he had unwittingly had sex with a man, a variant of the gay panic defense. During his testimony, Jaron said that he felt his friends had been raped, since Arajo did, mm-hmm, did not come clean with being what he really was no i feel like he forced them into homosexual sex no and my definition of rape was being forced into sex when asked how she forced them jaron said through deception end quote no right just in case people don't know what the gay panic defense is I'm going to read you exactly like the actual definition of it. So, quote, the gay panic defense is a legal strategy in which a defendant claims they acted in a state of violent, temporary insanity, committing assault or murder because of unwanted same-sex sexual
1: advances, end quote. So they're, okay, they're saying that she she raped them. Okay. That's what Jaron is saying. Do you know what happens to white boy rapists in the good old U.S. of A? Yep. Hardly fucking anything. Okay, Brock turned. Why does she deserve to fucking die? Right. Even she 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 did not rape them, first no. of all. But even if that were Right. The ki- no. You get you to don't murder. You get to fucking
0: you don't choose that. So the first trial was declared a mistrial because the jury couldn't come to a unanimous decision. Like, I'm sorry, what fucking jury was sitting on that? Mm-hmm. Go fuck yourselves. Yep. That's what I think. Hope you don't listen to this podcast because you fucking suck. <laughs> Anywho <laughs> You can leave that in.
1: <laughs> I will. <laughs> it was pretty nice. <laughs> Quote,
0: The second trial began on May 31st of 2005. Publicity by transgender activist was credited with informing the public about the tactics the defense lawyer had adopted to blame Arajo for her own death. Hmm. Changing the approach to the case. The day after the first trial ended in mistrial, the court granted Arajo's mother's petition for a posthumous name change requiring the defense lawyers to refer to the victim with female pronouns. Jose, Michael, and Jason were all charged with first-degree murder with hate crime enhancements, end quote. Good for you, Mom. Yeah. Good for fucking you. And she shouldn't have even had to do that. No. That's bullshit. Mm Mm-hmm but I'm fucking glad that she did. So fuck all of you who were trying to call her a he and trying to call her by Eddie. Mm -hmm. That wasn't her fucking name. No. The jury spent a week deliberating and then announced final verdicts. Michael and Jose were both sentenced to 15 years to life in prison on the charge of second degree murder. It stated that Jose expressed remorse and regret to Gwen's family that doesn't make anything better. I'm no. sorry. She's dead. Mm-hmm. While Michael expressed absolutely zero remorse and was pissed off about his sentence, Jason was sentenced to six years in prison. Oh,
1: wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. He
0: yep. asked the court to let him wait to serve his sentence until after his baby was born. And what? They, they granted it. No. No. I'm sorry, but I do not think criminals should be granted request. No. Why? Why? He contributed to a woman's death and he got to be there for the life of his baby? No. I'm sorry. No. (sighs) Gwen's funeral services were on October 25th of 2002. Her mother, Sylvia, had Gwen cremated and keeps Gwen's urn in her bedroom. Hmm. A judge granted Sylvia's wish to legally change Gwen's name to Gwen Amber Rose Arajo.
1: Hmm. Amber
0: Rose was the name that Sylvia had chosen if her daughter was born biologically a girl. Oh. Yeah. One year after Gwen's death, Horizons Foundation developed a foundation called the Gwen Arajo Memorial Fund for Transgender Education. This, quote-unquote, supports school-based programs in the nine-county Bay Area that promotes understanding of transgender people and issues through annual grants. Wow.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger signed a law called the Gwen Araujo Justice for Victims Act. This law limited the use of gay and trans panic defense. boo fucking yeah! Wow. Yaw. Good. I love that. I Thank you, Arnold. Yeah. What you know how fucking... Hot, I am about the gay and trans panic defense. Mm -hmm. So when I read that, I was like jumping for goddamn joy. Yeah, wow. Okay, so let's talk about the jail and prison time. Okay. For these bastards, Jose was given parole in two thousand and sixteen. So he's out. Yeah. Oh, he could be back in for something else, but not pertaining to this case. Right. Michael said that he was not ready for release at his parole board hearing in two thousand and sixteen. Really? Yeah. Why? Michael was then denied parole again in September of two thousand and nineteen. Michael, though, gives me the biggest piece of shit vibes. I don't know why. They're all pieces of shit. Jason was released in July of 2012. Hmm. Jaren was released a few years ago, sometime before 2016, but the exact date wasn't given in any of the sources that I used. Mm -hmm. Quote, that's what I miss the most is her physical being, touching and hugging her, Sylvia said. Hmm. This is my baby that I carried in my womb. I'm (laughs) going to cry. I loved her since I conceived her. My baby was killed, not my transgender teenager, end quote. Yeah. And another quote just to end on from Sylvia, quote, at my daughter's funeral, I promised her I would be her voice until people stop dying for who they are, end quote.
1: What a good mommy.
0: A fucking amazing mother. Oh my God. And that is the story of the murder of Gwen Arajo. That was fucking awful. Yeah. It just leaves like this, like fucking yeah. dark space. I know. You know what I, I know. mean. It's so sa- and that that quote at the end completely sums up so many things that are going on today. Mm-hmm. People are dying just for being who they are. Yeah,
1: you have to talk to your kids because I mean, yeah, there's a lot of other things you can do too, but that they're gonna be the future exactly of everything and we can't fucking have this shit anymore there are people that are already in these positions of power that Mm -hmm. we're not
0: going to change no matter what we do we will try we will never stop trying right but the ones that we can shape and mold and change and Mm -hmm. make do better are the ones who are growing up right now yeah and you need to teach them not to be grown-up pieces of shit right it's just so fucking sad, I and know. I just—it's hard to even like. It's hard for me to even want to talk about anything after this, but we have to. We need to.
1: Yeah.
0: But the, so obviously, we said in the beginning, the month of June is Pride Month, and we want to donate. We want to do another sticker,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this time we want to donate to a nonprofit that will support the LGBTQ plus community. We want to hear from you what nonprofits you support in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. And whichever ones you support, we will. It depends on how many stickers we sell, honestly. Yeah. If we sell a bunch, we can split it up into different nonprofits. If we only sell a few, then we'll just take all of those proceeds to one nonprofit. Right. We're going to put a poll probably. Or no, we'll just put a post mm-hmm. with the sticker design. Yeah. And you can tell us the nonprofits in the comments. And we'll post that on the page. We'll post that on um, Instagram, Twitter, and in the group. Yep. Also, I'm going to put some resources that I found while I was researching in the show notes below. And these resources are anything from if you are part of the LGBTQ plus community and you need help, or let's say one of your parents is finally coming around. They mm-hmm. want to support you. They don't know how. I found a resource for that, too. Mm-hmm. So we will make sure that we put resources for you guys down in the show notes below. They will be there. They'll be
1: there. Katie. Yes, ma'am. Reading, watching, listening. Well, as you know, we've had a this past week has been fucking busy mm-hmm. as hell. With both of us working on things together for podcast stuff and book stuff. So I've not really been um reading. I feel like when I want to read something, I've got to have time. I yeah. want to have like carve out a chunk of time, be comfortable, have no distractions, and I haven't had that.
0: Well, but, yeah, but the thing is, there's not time to carve. Right. No,
1: exactly. <laughs> so, um, I know I ripped on Criminal Minds a few episodes ago, but I did just buy a whole entire season of it for $40.
0: Oh, honey.
1: Because <laughs> it wasn't on any of the streaming things, and I and couldn't stop. And you just had to watch it. I couldn't stop. What Tanner said? So, say? like oh he loves it he watches it with me he loves it so he was all for it um but yeah so after like i get shit done after the kids go to bed at like 11 o'clock we'll watch it from like 11 to like 2 in the morning yeah it's pathetic really (laughs) haven't been listening to much either but we did get a new cat and she's pretty cool so and her name is nia nia yep it's the first pet i've had since i was a child can so. her name...
0: Did you give her a middle name?
1: No. I really love Nia Bell. Nia Bell? Uh-huh. Aw. Nia Hannah will love that, mm-hmm. too. I'll tell her.
0: What about you? Like you said, life has been fucking crazy with, like, my day job. Yeah. Two book fucking releases. Like, uh-huh. remind me... Three book to, releases? Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Remind me to not do this. <laughs> I try to tell you. You don't fucking listen. No, I don't. So... Between the day job and this shit, and then Mm -hmm. the podcast and the research. Mm -hmm. And I originally researched a totally different case that we are still going to talk about, but Mm -hmm. it will be in two weeks. Yeah. And I don't want to record that now because I feel like other things could happen in the case. True. Yeah. And that's going to be important to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I am, (laughs) you're going to kill me. Oh, great. And this is thanks to Lauren. I have been binge watching. Can you guess what it would be? Like what
1: type of is show? it reality? Yeah, yeah. I fucking <laughs> well, knew it. Well, reality is it one of the housewives? Yes, <laughs> fucking knew it.
0: The Real Housewives of Potomac. What the fuck? I was not a fan in the beginning. I was like, what the? F- these women? I like how are- I
1: guessed it. <laughs> yeah, these-
0: <laughs> you know me so well. These women are out of their goddamn minds. They think that their shit doesn't stink, and I hate to tell you this, but all shit stinks, including the housewives of Potomac. Oh, yeah. However, there's a lot of fucking drama. And I am living for the drama that is outside of my life. Uh, Yeah. So in my spare time, I've been trying to binge watch that. And I started a book just this morning. And the book is called Rebel Heart. And it's by L.K. And I think how how you pronounce her last name is Farlow. I could be wrong, but that's what it looks like. It's F-A-R-L-O-W. Uh, The chapters are pretty short, so I'm already on chapter seven. I'm Mm -hmm. only on page 37. Okay. Um, But it's really good so far. It's very, like, cute and comical, Mm fast-paced, and I love the angst. I just read, I just finished the chapter where they are in a club, Mm -hmm. and they're, like, all on the dance floor, obviously, like, grinding away, and I would not know anything about this. I never went to a club in my my life. life. What was that club
1: that there was that had underage? Yes. I, what you know was what? that? It just closed recently for good. Zero gravity. Zero gravity. And I went on there <laughs> just because I just, it popped into my head too. And uh-huh. I'm like, I wonder if that place is still around. It just closed recently. Wow. But they have all their pictures up. The fashion from, was it well, like when I was, oh my fucking God. Yeah. Awful. The black studded so belts good for though. like us that we so wore. Good. Well, the, yeah, that's what we wore, yeah. but they were like the big. Brown ones uh-huh. that were right under your boobs, and yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and like the denim ripped up dresses, and, <laughs> and yeah. The Hollister fucking little bird. Yep. Or, I don't know. Yep. But yeah. That might oh be Abercrombie. God, I don't give a fuck. I don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> they were, so she's like. she she went to this club with her friend and this guy comes up behind her and starts like grinding his dick into her ass Mm -hmm. and she's like oh fuck yeah i'm gonna fuck this guy blah 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 (laughs) she turns around and it's the enemy (laughs) oh no did he know (laughs) yeah he knew because he could see her
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. so it's like
0: super playful witty it's like banter i love bantery types of books Mm -hmm. so that is what i'm currently reading we'll see if it takes 20 million years yeah also if you guys didn't know My second poetry collection is coming out B soon.
1: I think it's June 11th. So this week. I feel like you should know when your book is coming out.
0: (laughs) I don't know when any of my books are coming out. I just put them up and I just see where the good Lord fucking takes me. What's it called? It's called Woman on Fire. It's my second poetry collection and it releases soon. So we'll put the pre-order down below. Please don't feel like you have to buy it. I'm just telling you. Yeah. In case you do. It's really I good. Don't,
1: I've read it already.
0: So a couple of things to remember, and then we're going to give you all the links where you can find all this shit about us and for us and to communicate with mm-hmm. us. We're going to have the, the the stickers are really cute. They say love wins, and it has like our, our like Cruel and Unusual, the pod in the background. hmm And it's rainbow, and they're just, they're really cute. I like them. We will have that all over social media, so you can tell us what nonprofits to send the donations to. Mm-hmm. And book club news. If you like us, if you want to do a book club with us, fine, whatever, <laughs> you can. Um, we do that strictly in the Facebook group. So mm-hmm. Cruel and Unusual, colon, the group. On FB, baby. Yeah. And we were going to go with a free book that was on Amazon, mm-hmm. if you have Kindle Unlimited. But in our Pride Month, I just found this like really long, I think it's like 42 books I don't mm-hmm. know if they're, some of them are written by the, by authors from the LGBTQ plus community. Some of them are like LGBTQ plus topics. So it just kind of mm-hmm. depends. I think Katie and I tonight will decide which one. We'll put it up because it's already the
1: seventh and we're going to get rolling on that. So you can find that in Cruel and Unusual, colon, the group you can find us also on instagram at cruel and unusual the pod tori can you tell them our twitter <laughs> don't you want to say twitter twitter tori can you tell them all twitter <laughs> our twitter is <laughs> cruel unusual pod you can email us anything you would like at cruel and unusual the pod at gmail.com hint hint angela hint, send, hint. send us that story send us your stories don't also, feel dumb if we're all dumb here <laughs> if you
0: communicate with us on social media primarily katie is the one who's communicating with you on instagram and i'm the one communicating with you on twitter
1: and if you want us both at the same time baby come in the group (laughs) i hate you (laughs) anywho all right guys i think that's all i hope that's all i think it's it all right i love you bye i love you let the lord be with you goodbye